Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. Or, you know, whatever. Um, 
as Gideon said earlier, this is a place full of lies. And a very, very easy way to serve as life somewhere is that you can hear things. It's not quiet, okay? But we're all full of lies. So let's be really um, vocal. Let's be really loud. Yeah? Okay, is everybody there? Cool. Okay, so I am reading from the NIV. The NIV. Yeah. So if you have a different uh, translation, it's all good. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23 says this, For I received from the Lord that which is also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Verse 24, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Okay? So, you're probably all quite familiar with those verses. So, don't uh, glaze over them just because you've heard them before. I hope that we're going to discover something new about these today. Um, so, I didn't plan on speaking for ages. There's a couple of things that I want to bring out for us from these two verses. Um, number one is uh, there's this phrase it says in verse 24 and again in verse 25. Um, it says, do this in remembrance of me. Okay? That's the first thing. I'll come back to that. The second thing uh, is in verse 26 where it says, um, as often as you do this, as often as you do the bread and the wine, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Okay? So there's two things. You're going to do it backwards, you're going to start with point two. Okay, so don't, don't be confused. We'll do point one later. Okay? So verse 26 says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Okay? Let's think about that. Now, I'm 26 years old. Yeah. Looking great. The prime of life. And, um, and I became a Christian when I was six. So I've been a Christian for 20 years, which is a long time. And uh, in 20 years' worth of following Jesus, I've broken bread many times, as you can probably imagine, which is a good thing. You should not just do it once a year or whatever. You should do it often. And um, very often, when we break bread, this is what I uh, observe. Okay. Just on the first It's time to get rid of wine. And then uh, we all sort of pack the bread around, and everyone takes a teeny bit of bread because they don't want to take too much, even though there's an enormous loaf of bread on the table. They still take a little bit, and we wait in silence. The bread goes around, and everyone's got a little bit, and we're waiting. And then somebody says, uh, Thank you, Jesus, because you died for us, and we remember you died, which is fine. Everyone takes a little bit of bread, very quietly. And then the wine goes around, everyone has a little sip of wine, and it's still quiet, and if you're lucky, someone next to you might be like, very good. Because I don't want people to hear them say anything. And the wine goes around, and you'll have the wine, and someone prays. And, uh, and that's it. Does that sound familiar at all? Has anybody experienced bread and wine in that way? Yeah? Um, not really full of life, I don't think. 
considering we're saying that when things are full of life, there's noise and there's excitement and people are happy and joyful, and yet we come around the bread and the wine and everyone's so quiet. And everyone's like, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's just really quiet. But that's not, um, that's not what's going to happen this morning. Can we say that? Verse 26 says, You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And that means, first of all, that Jesus is coming again. Do you know that? Do you know that Jesus is coming again? Proclaim the Lord's death until It's a bit of a weird verse. Because it's saying, you're proclaiming that somebody is coming who's actually dead. But we know that he's not dead. We proclaim his death until he comes. It says that he was dead. He died. He was a death there. But we know that he raised again. We know that he rose again, sorry, don't we? And we know that he's coming again. And this is really good news. This means that um, everything that happened on the cross, he died and he rose again. And everything that that means is for us. And as we're taking this bread and wine, we're remembering that until he comes again. So we know we're doing this until Jesus comes. Now, um, I haven't actually written this down. I'm not going to dwell on it. But I was thinking as I was preparing, I wonder if that means that when he comes back, we will no longer be broken bread. Ooh, maybe. I will think about that one. Anyway, that's a side thing. And we're not remembering a dead king. We know he's alive and he's coming back. He's not dead. We're not at a funeral when we're doing this. Um, it might seem that way if everyone's so quiet, because like you say, funerals, everyone's very quiet, everyone's very respectful. There's obviously a place for that in the bread and the wine. We remember Jesus' death, but it's so much more than that. He's alive. Um, we're not in a funeral this morning. Um, that word proclaim is something that we might hear us say a lot, proclaim this or declare this. Um, these are some words that that means. It's to announce something and um, to declare something, to state something is true, uh, to advertise something, to make something known, to broadcast something. And that's what we're doing here when it says, um, proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You're, you're announcing that, you're stating that this morning. Um, and as we come and we're going to break bread, we're proclaiming not just Jesus' death, but his resurrection as well. And we're proclaiming the whole cross, not just the bit where Jesus died, which we so often focus on. And so that's just kind of, that's the first bit, okay? It's the last verse, but I want to say, Jesus is coming again. And as we're breaking bread, that's one of the things that we're celebrating. Jesus is not just dead, he's alive as well. And he's coming again, which is really good news for us and for the whole world. Yeah? So, um, back into point number one. Sorry, that's a um, It says, do this in remembrance of me. Now, as I said earlier, very often when we come and we break bread, um, we do remember Jesus' death. Um, but we don't often remember the other bits. We don't often remember the fact that he was raised to life as well and everything that he's achieved. So what I really want us to, um, to have a look at today is what it means to remember the fullness of the cross. Okay? Not just the bit where Jesus died. 
for the whole thing and what that means. So, um, we're going to have a look at a few examples. Um, but I thought I'd ask when you think about the cross, as we've been looking at over the last few months, and when you think about everything that Jesus did on the cross and everything that that means, um, there's some things that we can um, have this morning, or there's things that we can receive, there's things that we can acknowledge that happened on the cross, as in the whole cross, not just the bandit. So, does anybody have a suggestion of something that happened on the cross that um, is a good thing? Great. He defeated Satan. Very good. Yeah, that happened. Anyone else got any, any examples? I have a few written down, but I like to hear what other people think. So. Yeah. Yeah. Did everybody hear that? Maybe not in the back. The person was torn, which meant that there was a way made for us to enter into the presence of God, unhindered by anything. Anybody else? Took one out in. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Stephen agrees with that. <laughs> okay, let me give you some examples. So, um, this is kind of said, but Jesus made a way for us to be with him. That happened on the cross, okay? Um, I'm going to read some verses out. If you want to turn to them, you can. If it's a little bit, if you're not very fast, you might not get it in time. I'm going to read them anyway. So if you want to write them down, write them down. So, Colossians 1, 19-20, okay? It says this, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. Let me read that again. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. That includes us. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Okay, Jesus made a way for us to be with him forever. And he saved us from death. That's good, isn't it? <laughs> that is good news. Jesus saved us from death. We were um, on a path to dying because of what sin was doing. But Jesus saved us from that. Romans 5. 6 to 11. This is great. If you agree with this, if you like this, let me know. Okay? This is what it says. Romans 5, verse 6. You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We are on the way to death, but Jesus came 
having made a way for us to come back to life through him. That's good, isn't it? Okay? These are all things that happened on the cross. This is what I want you, want you to remember this morning. Number one, Jesus made a way for us to be with him. Number two, he saved us from death. Okay, number three, and this is not an exhaustive list, by the way. These are just things that I thought might be good to get. He raised us to life and made us alive. We're not dead. We're not at a funeral. We're alive and there's life. Okay? 2 Corinthians 4, verse 14, says this, Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. Let me read that again. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. Okay, he's raised us. Romans 6, verse 10 to 11. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. I'm getting it. Romans 8, verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Okay? If we have said to Jesus, Lord, please save us, we want to follow you. If we, um, that's what you're Christian is, by the way. We do that, he raises us to life. We're not dead anymore. That's really good news. Yeah? Isn't that good news? <laughs> we're not dead anymore. We're alive. We're promised a life with him forever. That is such good news. Um, number four, he defeated sickness. That is good news, isn't it? Notice the past tense. He defeated sickness. It's happened. Sickness has been defeated. Okay? Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Okay? Something that happened on the cross however many thousand years ago, it happened in the past, but that does not mean it is not effective anymore. It happened once and for all. Sickness has been defeated, period. It's been dealt with, okay? That doesn't mean that we don't experience sickness anymore. Sometimes we do. We get cold, you know. We have things that are wrong. But it does not change the fact that Jesus has defeated sickness by his wounds or by his stripes, we are healed. Okay? That's the truth of the word. That is what happened on the cross. Okay? To recap, number one, Jesus made a way for us to be with him. Number two, he saved us from death. Number three, he raised us to life and made us alive. Number four, he defeated sickness. Number five, he gave us a new identity. Okay? Um, John chapter 1, verse 12. Sorry if I'm rattling through these, but you're fine. <laughs> John 1, verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We are now children of God. Ephesians 1, verse 5. He predestined us 
for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. The cool thing about that is when somebody adopts someone, they choose to bring them into their family. Um, if you have a son or a daughter of your own, I don't have any, but uh, I know this is true. <laughs> they're yours by um, by blood. They're, they're your relatives, aren't they? They're your, your children, and you made them. Um, but when somebody adopts you, you become their children, don't you? Somebody adopts you, and you become the children of those people. And so that's what God has done for us. He's adopted us. We are now his children. He is our father. Um, but for somebody to adopt a child um, shows amazing love. That you would love a child who's not your own in the first place, but you would love them so much that you bring them and you say, you are now my child. You are um, as much of my children as my, my natural children, you bring them in, you adopt them, that's what God has done for us. Which is awesome, isn't it? He loves us a lot. Um, Colossians 2, 9-10, for in Christ, all the four, this is, this is amazing, this is awesome, big word awesome on the screen, this is awesome. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human. We've been brought into the fullness of God in Christ. That blows my mind. It's awesome that that's what he's brought us into. 1 Peter 2, verse 9, but you are a chosen people. Do you know God chose you? There's that famous verse, isn't it, that he chose you before you were even born. He knew, he counts the hairs on your head, and he chose you before you were even conceived. That is amazing. I don't know if um, when you're at school you ever got to class in uh, class in gym. PE usually, anyway. Because <laughs> we're English. But then, that's not how God is. He chose you. You're not the last one to be picked. He chose you because he loves you. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Wow. A holy nation, God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Okay, he's given us a new identity. That's who you are. You're chosen. You're a royal priesthood. You're God's special possession. Wow. <laughs> um, something else he did on the cross is he gave us everything that we need. Everything. Hebrews 1 verse 3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. There is nothing that you will ever need in life that God does not have for you. He has everything, because he created everything. He has everything for us. 
Um, so, to reclaim. He made a way for us to be reclaimed. He saved us from death. He raised us to life. And he made us alive. He defeated sickness. He gave us a new identity. He gave us everything we need. And uh, this is my last point. As I said, not exhaustive, this bit. But he gave us freedom and he gave us victory. Okay? Now, um, I believe that this is going to be significant for some people to hear this morning. Freedom and victory. Um, you know, <coughs> bread and wine, doing this, what we're doing this morning, was something that the believers did um, in the Passover meal. That's what it says, that after bread and wine. And uh, up till this point where we're reading in the scriptures, Jesus goes to everything. Up until that point, what they were doing is they were remembering God saving them from Egypt. You know, the Passover was, they remember him saving them, freeing them from slavery. Um, and they did that, they remembered it every time. But then, when Jesus came, and he said, um, I'll break the bread, have the wine, do this in remembrance of me, what he's doing is he's saying, this meal is not just about your freedom from Egypt anymore. This is not just about being freed from slavery in Egypt. I'm doing the, I'm the, um, I'm the real reason that this meal matters because I am freeing you, um, not just the people there, but us today as well. I'm freeing you. Um, but if that makes sense, that, that Jesus takes something that was about an event that happened where God brought them out of Egypt, and he actually says, well, hang on, it's much more than that. This is about me. I'm going to die on the cross so that everybody can be free. In the same way they're brought out of Egypt, brought out of slavery, and given freedom, that happens to us in this meal. Um, and if we could turn to 1 Samuel 7. And we're going to go to verse 7. Are you ready? Yeah? Good. 1 Samuel 7, verse 7. says this. When the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. When the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. They said to Samuel, Do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. These guys were scared. Okay, the enemy was coming to defeat them. Uh, verse 9, Then Samuel took a suckling lamb, and sacrificed it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. Verse 10. 
While Samuel was sacrificing his own offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day, the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw, in, threw them into such a panic that they were routed, 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 routed before the Israelites. Verse 11, the men of Israel rushed out from Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to a point below Bethel. So in this story, um, the Israelites are facing attack. The enemy is coming to attack them and defeat them. And uh, they run up to Samuel and they say, Samuel, don't stop crying out to God for us. We need God to save us. And what Samuel does is he takes a lamb and he sacrifices it to God. And God, um, like I said, he thunders and basically scares them. And they run up and they defeat them. And there's a few occasions throughout the Old Testament where the same thing happens, where they're under attack and their response is, we sacrifice a lamb to God, basically. And uh, when, well, basically, we know that Jesus, um, it says that he's the lamb who was slain, doesn't he? And Jesus on the cross, he was the perfect sacrifice. And um, what we uh, can do today, this is what we can all do, is, well, not just today, but any day, if we're facing um, an enemy, or if we feel like we're being attacked, we can do um, just what Samuel did, but it's slightly different. So Samuel offered a lamb to be sacrificed. But when Jesus came, that was the ultimate sacrifice. There was no need for any more sacrifices because Jesus did it all. So we can draw on that um, in the midst of feeling like we're being attacked by, um, by enemies. Or if we are being attacked, you can say, do you know what? Um, Jesus actually was the ultimate sacrifice. And I know that uh, God has got my back because Jesus died for me. Um, we do not need for Jesus to die for us again. That was the thing. Throughout the Old Testament, they kept offering sacrifices. But when Jesus came, um, his sacrifice was, was it. That was it. That was the ultimate sacrifice. There's no need for another sacrifice. Hebrews 10.14 says, For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Um, Hebrews 10, verse 12, says he died for all sins, past, present, and future. His death was completely sufficient to defeat every enemy. Past, present, future. It's all covered. And when we take part in this meal today, we're proclaiming his death and resurrection, and we're announcing it to our enemies. The victory is already ours because of what Jesus did on the cross. He's done it all. We don't need him to come back and die for us again because what he did was perfect forever. And enemies have not disappeared. We still find ourselves um, facing enemies, don't we? Um, but the way that we have the victory is different. We recognize and proclaim that Jesus has done everything necessary for us to triumph. 
And there's a, there's a verse in Psalm 23, verse 5, that says, The Lord prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. I want to say, if you're here this morning and you feel like um, you're, you have, you're being attacked, you have enemies, there's, there's things that are trying to attack you, the Lord has prepared a table for you in the presence of those things. What this meal means is that he has done everything necessary for you to have the victory this morning. So, broken bread is awesome. <laughs> yeah. And all of these things are really good news. They're things to celebrate. And as I said before, we, we often come to this meal and we're so um, quiet and silent. Um, and I'm not saying that we, we should not be um, remembering God in that way. But what I want us to do this morning as we break bread, it says, in remembrance of me, I want us to remember what was achieved on the cross. I want us to remember that he's made us alive. I want us to remember that he's made a way for us to be with him forever. I want us to remember that he's defeated death. I want us to remember that sickness has been defeated. I want us to remember that he's made us holy and he's given us a new identity. I want us to remember that we have freedom and victory, continuing victory. Yeah? And that word in the verse, remembrance, that word there, I looked it up, it's a one word. That's it. Get the Greek in there. <laughs> so the word remembrance, the Greek word is anamnesis. You don't need to remember that. But what you should remember is what it means. And it means bring to mind, and it says it's a deliberate recollection. It's done to better appreciate the effect or the intended result of what happened. And it's an active and it's a self-prompted recollection. Okay? It's not um, randomly being reminded of something. We don't come to the meal and then we're like, oh yeah, God died for us. What we can do is we can come to this meal and we can, um, like it says, it's a self-prompted, deliberate recollection. We can say to ourselves, I'm going to choose to remember everything that Jesus did for us on the cross. Um, we can be deliberate in remembering what happened on the cross. Um, that's what I want to encourage us all to do today as we have this meal. I want us to remember those things. We're not just remembering Jesus' death. He didn't just die. He rose again. And everything that he did that was done on the cross. That's what we're going to remember. And, and as we do these things, we can celebrate. I find it incredibly awkward when uh, we have this meal and it's so quiet. I hate it. Because it, this is a celebration. And this is a meal that should be happy and joyous and we should be celebrating everything that Jesus has done. It's quite difficult to celebrate without making <laughs> some sort of noise. But sometimes it can be so like, oh, English, and you're like, oh, we don't want to say something because it's wrong. Or, I, I don't know. But we're here to celebrate this morning. And Jesus is alive, and he is coming back, as that verse says, Jesus is coming back. So we're going to do this until he comes back. 
there's a certainty about that. He is coming back. Um, and I want to, this is a very practical thing. But I want to encourage you, don't take a little bit of bread. Um, we should not be reserved in this, in this meal. Obviously, the bread needs to go around everybody, but I guess if we went out, we made some of this meal to get bread with it. But, um, but don't take a little bit. Take a chunk. Because although there's a physical leg of bread here, we know that what this is representing is all of those things that God has done for us. And when we take a little bit, it's like we're saying to God, thank you for what you've done, and I'm going to take a little bit of that. Don't. It's a big bit. It's a feast. Feast on what he's done. Take a big chunk. It can take a lot. And, and say to God, you know what? As I'm remembering all of these things that you've done, I'm going to embrace it, and I'm going to take a big bit, and I'll say, thank you, God. I'll, I'll take it all. Um, so, that's what I have to say. We're going to break bread. Um, and as we're doing that, Practically, I think it would be good for us to come around the table and uh, let's celebrate. Let's be happy and excited for everything that God has done. And let's remember all of the things that um, the cross has done as we're remembering the Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.